love me. I turn my back and find myself out on the line. You could have warned me, but that would have been too kind. I've been warning you for months to clean up your act. You've been late, you've been mean, giving all kinds of stupid flack. That's a lie, that's a lie. It's just I haven't been feeling that well. Effie, please, stop excusing yourself. You've been late, you've been mean, and getting fatter all the time. Now you're lying, you're lying, I've never been so thin. You're lying, you're lying, cause you're knocking off that piece who thinks she's better than everybody running for president. She ain't better than anybody. She ain't nothing but common. Now listen to me, miss, blame it on the world. See, I put up with you for much too long. I have put up with your bitching. I put up with your nagging. And all your screaming too. Oh, now when are you two? Good evening, Jennifer. Good evening, Ed. Good evening, Josh. Welcome to the Gleeful Podcast with Josh, Jen, and Ed. We're back. Uh, I don't really know why I say that, because it's kind of obvious that we're back, isn't it? It's like the fact that we're talking is kind of <laughs> telegraphing. Yeah, but it, it feels, now it feels awkward that you're pointing out how awkward it is. Yeah. So which one's more awkward, Josh? <laughs> Definitely I, I think, the examination of the I think that's a secret to my success, though. That's kind of the story <laughs> of my life, though. It's like you take something that's really awkward, and then you go, that's really awkward, hence making it more awkward. Uh, you can find us online at GleefulPodcast.com, on Twitter at GleefulPodcast. I'm at Josh Brunel. She's at Jenny B. Creative. He's at Edward Giordano. Jennifer. Joshua. How are you this week? I'm good. Doing good. <laughs> Ed, how are things <laughs> no, back east? Think, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, okay. Let's, yeah. Just just okay. Nothing nothing terrible, nothing great. Just 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 okay. Well, that's good. Uh, Ed, you're not watching American Horror Story, but you should be. Uh, I, I, I planned on it because you guys were so raving, and then there were some good reviews about it, and then and then I just never I never actually committed the time to it. Well, it's worth, it's worth checking out. I don't know if it's going to be one of those shows that people are going to start ruining. I, I haven't seen a lot of people on the internet, like, eagerly you know like you you had to watch lost you had to watch lost the moment it went on or somebody you you know click on the internet and somebody was going to be like hey such and such died and the world blew up bam you know and uh, that didn't spoil anything i promise uh so i, <laughs> they I really haven't watched lost about spoilers yeah. as much as you guys do so spoil away but uh, but it's a dynamite show, and it is. Uh, we mention it because it's uh, created by Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk, who are two of the creators of Glee. Ryan Murphy also sold a comedy show last week to ABC, a half-hour comedy, I believe. Interesting. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see what Ryan Murphy does when he tries to be happy. <laughs> uh, Probably lots of deformity. <laughs> yes, yeah, seriously. This is what we've learned for the for people that have seen Glee and then American Horror Story, which again. I can't recommend enough. It's really like nothing else on television. Possibly nothing else I've ever seen. Um, it's got some, you know, similarities to like, like Twin Peaks a little bit, and uh, there's definitely homages to different um, horror movies. Yes, so it's ve- if, it does very direct homages to horror films. Yeah, so if you do, if you like, if you like creepy, scary movies, um, I mean, and I, I keep reminding myself, this is a TV series. It doesn't yeah. really feel like one, because um, I do. Like, even just sitting here, even with the lights on, I get totally freaked out <laughs> sometimes at some of the images and some of the stuff that happens. But um, but it is it's quite good. 
it, it, it's a blast. So I, de- I definitely recommend checking it out. But yeah, it's it's like Ed, you just said, you know, there are some very consistent elements in Ryan Murphy's work. I mean, you're always going to have like a conflict over a crazy pregnancy. Uh, like we have in Glee and then in Nip Tuck, there were several crazy pregnancies that came up throughout the course of that season. There's tons of physical deformity. Mm-hmm. Like Ryan Murphy's obsessed with that. Uh, it's bizarre how he's got these very specific elements that are coming yeah. up again and again. Uh, between Nip Tuck and uh, American Horror Story, like specific plot elements revolving around the fear of a parent who might have some or uh, like the fear of a parent having a disabled child mm. has come up d- uh, multiple times in Nip Tuck. And now again, it's yeah. already coming up in American Horror Story. So it's kind of fascinating, like where this dude's pl- mind is, you know, <laughs> like where and, is he coming from? And lots of uh, male partial nudity. Yes. And tons of male nudity. <laughs> <laughs> so if that's your thing, you should also watch it for that. Why is Dylan McDermott not, like, an action hero? Eh. Or you said he got better looking as he got older. I think he definitely, um, as he got a little bit more, you know, rugged, he he's, I think, become more appealing. I never really, I mean, like, other than Steel Magnolias, I don't think I've ever really seen him in much. Hmm. So... Well, and then for the boys, uh, Francis Conroy plays the maid. But when the other maid shows up, whose name is Alex Breckenridge, it's Mm -hmm. dynamite television. She's not there very often, but you get all excited. (laughs) You understand why Dylan McDermott loses the ability to speak when Alex Breckenridge shows up in the scene. It's killer good. It's crazy fun television. Uh, But we are here to talk about Glee. And we opened up the, uh, the episode there with... Mercedes and the cast of Glee doing It's Not Over, their version of It's Not Over from the musical Dreamgirls. We didn't really get a chance to talk about it last week from Asian F. Um, and we got called, I got a lot of email about Mercedes hate that we, for some, or at least I think specifically me, uh, have some kind of hate for Mercedes. I really have no hate for Mercedes, though I do feel the show has really no idea what to do with her. They well, don't. I, I don't like. I don't hate Mercedes. I just think that the writers don't treat her like a real character. So why should we? Exactly. I feel. Yeah. It's like the writers don't seem to know what to do with her, and they they just kind of like sprinkle her into things. I, I guess there's already one diva on the show, right? Like you can't have Mercedes diva and Rachel diva like because oh, because the diva gets all the, the parts, and you can't be getting all the parts if someone else is getting all the parts, right? Exactly. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I know I said this last week, but it, it's just kind of interesting that now they're, they at least seem to be making a, a, a true attempt at trying to make her a real character and not just that, you know, temporary hurdle for Rachel to overcome to, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't be her own be, person. It doesn't, like, because, of, because we spent two years with her, mm-hmm. there's literally almost nothing they could do to make her real unless they, like, uh-huh. I don't know, they would have, they would have to, like, devote several episodes to Mercedes and more than what they just did because even what they just did I still feel like I could just move past it and never like oh Mercedes is there yeah whatever well it's hard because to have a character I'm sorry you go ahead ahead. oh I I guess I think one of the struggles with her as a character is that to have this like to have a, a really strong diva you know Aretha Franklin character I really think she'd kind of have to be the center of the show but since he, she's not the center of the show, we n- will never really get, like, the full, you know, 
divaness uh, of her, and so we end up with this kind of like halfway character. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't really know. I mean, so I certainly have no hate for Mercedes. I just, yeah. I feel like if the show, you know, all I can do is comment on what I see on the air, and uh, if if she, you know, if, if the character's doing stuff, dumb stuff, if they're not writing good stuff for her, uh, that's what I'm gonna say. Like, I don't have blind love for anybody. Except for you, uh, so that's the you know. So that's wait the deal. me or the audience, the you, wife. You oh, okay. Yes, me. I guess I was. That was you, and the audience is like, "Oh, that's Aww. sweet, Josh. Thank you for feeling about me like that." And I'm like, "No, not you, the wife." <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, if they okay on two occasions in, in the last episode, they they hinted at the possibility that she might be pregnant, and I mean, if that were the case, and you know, if she were to, you know, stay in this relationship and then try to raise this baby. I mean, that would be a legitimate in a in a, a different storyline. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, the other storylines that we've seen surrounding pregnancies. So, um, I mean, it does, but I just, I get the feeling like at least they're trying it this year. Like last year it was sort of comical, you mm-hmm. know, the whole, you know, the, the diva fit that, you know, lasted 45 minutes and that was it. And this seems legit that she's, you know, serious about, you know wanting to be front and center and and actually not just going to talk about it but actually do something about it so going to Shelby's choir that makes total sense you know maybe then they'll be competing against each other in sectionals and regionals and all that stuff yeah I think it's I think it's going to make for good television no doubt um uh she did uh Amber Riley did say on her Twitter that Mercedes is not pregnant. Now, a lot of that came from one, I mean, she's doing the whole like throwing up thing, which I think was yeah. pretty big, you know, like, uh, you know, red That's flags every, going yeah. up everywhere. And then they, they do the it's not over number from Dream Girls, which is all about in the movie Effie being pregnant. Yes. Now, I got an email from a li- couple listeners. I, th- I want to say Justin was the first one who emailed just to give credit where credit's due, where in fact, in the play, when Effie performs that song, she is not pregnant. And it was something they added for the film where Effie is pregnant okay so either way 90% of the people that have heard that song before heard it in the film right and they're walking away saying like but this is the number that's all about Effie being pregnant but not wanting to admit it or not knowing um it was definitely an odd number uh it's not over Ed uh like I don't know how familiar you are with Dreamgirls. How, how did you feel about Mercedes' "It's Not Over" number with the rest of uh, New Directions? See, honestly, when I was watching it, I thought because I did watch Dreamgirls once, but I, I was possibly half asleep and wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> um, and the I thought I literally thought for like for pretty much the entire thing that you guys talked about it on here, but that it was like an original number, like because they talked about they talked about someone running for president. I was like, oh. <laughs> I thought I literally thought it was an original number, mm-hmm. but I guess I'm just silly. Well, it's definitely not. And I guess it's pretty rare that the show does something that, you know, that uh, out of reality. Well, and, and, but that, be, that being said, I, I think I think the idea of doing a dramatic sequence like that with with original with original lyrics and like like and just doing it like doing like a traditional musical where you just like are see- well I don't know if that's even true or not from my idea of a traditional musical where people are just singing what's happening in the story <laughs> yes I, I don't I don't know if that's actually true or not yeah I mean um, they do just kind of sing if, out they, the plot. if they did that if they did that with like a story like that'd be cool if they did I, you see this is the thing like 
I don't like it when they change the lyrics to things. Because I feel that that's the, the greatness of Glee is that it's, it is what show choir is. Show choir is you take an existing song and you perform it in a new way. You perform it as it was written, but you bring new and exciting stuff to it. And those are my favorite Glee numbers. When Glee changes the lyrics to suit the situation, to me, I don't know, it, it just bugs me. Now, at the same time, this is so, like, we've never had a number. I guess we've had one or two, like, kind of when they did... Uh, uh, Rose's turn. Yeah. It was kind of the, the closest we got to this one. So I guess like this isn't entirely new, but this had the whole new directions and everything. It was a really specific push. Um, it was also kind of strange because all in, in the play, all it's all over really serves to do is be the bumper into, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you, I'm not going. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, haven't we already done this song? <laughs> like I was kind of surprised that we were even doing it all. Jennifer. Yeah, well, just going back to, um, you know, the, the, the way that Glee is always using music, it's like, it does seem like cheating when they take a song and then they change the lyrics to fit the situation, as opposed to just, you know, there are so many different songs out there that they have in so many instances been able to, you know, find the existing song that fits the situation without mm. having to manipulate it. But like, in okay, in the case of Rose's turn, of course, you know, you're going to say, you're going you're gonna to change it, you know, because it's Kurt singing it. So it's going to be, you know, Kurt's name. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in, in this situation, it was kind of interesting because I know um, it's like they're calling her Effie. But everybody else is their own character's name. Yeah, that's right. So but then somebody, I think, pointed out on um, on Facebook that, you know, that was because they were calling her, you know, they were they were. They were equating Effie with the diva so like so they were just kind of like name calling her and everybody else was still them saying hey this and this is how we feel and blah 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 but um yeah I don't um I don't typically like when they change the lyrics to fit the situation as well but you know in the case with names I'm like okay I get it yeah it, 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 I don't know it's yeah it, anyway <laughs> you don't like it it's okay it's, you don't have I you probably understand why they do it, but just don't like it. Exactly. And, but you're right. There's so many songs they could have picked that would have fit that scene, you know, and the intent of the scene perfectly. Uh, though they did name check Dream Girls earlier in the episode. It was funny that they kept bringing up Effie because Effie was the character that Alex on the Glee project oh, yeah, kept coming yeah. out as. When he would come out in drag, he would often say, I'm Effie White. Right. And he totally looks like an Effie White. Like when he when he was in drag, he looked, you know, exactly like Effie White. So it was just hilarious that that I'm like, oh, we're totally going Effie White again. Like, are we pulling from a reasonably small bag? Um, well, there's a, a story that's been going around and uh, a, a very nice listener named to give them credit. JT Hooper sent it as well as some others. Um, Glee adoption storyline causing controversy. This is uh, from AOL TV by Jean Bentley. Probably Jean, but I'm going to say Jean. Uh, Glee is known for serious storylines, shedding light on everything from homophobia to bullying. But there's one thing the show is apparently not getting right. It's portrayal of adoption. After teen mom Quinn declared on the September 27th episode that she wanted to get her daughter back from adopted mom Shelby, more than 750 people have signed an online petition asking Glee creator Ryan Murphy to produce an adoption PSA to counteract the fact that the show, quote, perpetuates myths 
about adoption that harm children, adoptive parents, and birth parents alike. Campaign creator Amber Austin told The Hollywood Reporter, quote, when people are considering adoption, there's a lot of worry and confusion about the relationship with the birth mother. I know that Glee is a dramatic show, but it uses that drama to talk about important issues like racism, homophobia, and sexism. Since adoption is such a core part of Glee, the producers have an opportunity to raise awareness about how adoption really works. Um, you know, one one parent I said who'd commented on it had said, "The last thing I want is for my adopted child to think they could get stolen away if I'm a bad parent or wow. if something goes wrong." I guess throwing it out to you guys, like, it, it, how do you feel about this? It, it's it's kind of a crazy story, and does Glee have some responsibility to, you know, I don't know, Jennifer? What do you think? Well, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with the characters you know, exploring the idea because, I mean, maybe maybe Quinn didn't read the paperwork. Maybe, you know, maybe she didn't fully understand it. And, you know, there are people that probably believe that they can't go back on it. But I do think they do. Ha- I think they have a responsibility to be factually accurate in what actually happens as far as, you know, what the, the actual legal rights are. Mm, if, if she does proceed with it. Um, I, yeah, I think there's definitely something that is you know i think they would need to keep that factually accurate and uh, we even have in the promo uh the rumored uh pelvy shuck <laughs> uh possible possible pelvy shuck pelby. or union shall we say i like pelvy uh ed what do you think about this i think glee as a television show doesn't really have a responsibility to to do things accurately like they don't like they could they don't have to do it. Like, I don't think I don't think we're going to be surprised later on and be like, oh, Quinn didn't read the contract. I think from in the Glee universe, she understood the contract and this is a part of the rules of what she signed. So I think that I think Glee doesn't have a responsibility. I mean, not saying it wouldn't be nice, but I think for the Glee verse, we are going to actually get to see Quinn trying to coup d'etat Shelby. <laughs> All right. And, and and just to kind of um not not a rebuttal but just just to to further <laughs> state what I was trying to say. I think because Glee has taken such a stance on, you know, the um you know, the topics such like, you know, uh homophobia and uh acceptance and bullying. I think if they want people to listen to them on those points they can't be all loose See, but with the... they totally they totally screwed the issue with alcohol they they, yeah, they don't they did they, they want they want to be they want to be responsible and be a PSA when they want to be, and they want to be a drama show when they want to be. But see, I, I actually agree entirely with Jennifer on this. She, that's my point exactly. I don't feel that they have that right. I guess personally I feel if it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia or Family Guy oh or Name the Show, like, you know, South Park wants to do a, a story about an adopted kid who's like parents come and steal him back. I will watch that and I will laugh my ass off and it'll be hilarious because that's the show that those are, but Glee has it. Glee it is, makes if, such if, a point. Hang on, hang on, hang on. 
it, hang on. It, it, uh, well, exactly. It's hypocritical for Glee to come out in one episode and say, you know, this is our message, and uh, and you know, we have we're being responsible right now, and then in another one, say, oh wait, that one's just for fun. Like this part of the show is just for fun. This part's the responsible part. I mean, I I agree I with you know. on a on a social level, but I, from from what experience has shown me with the show, it doesn't. It just. It just doesn't like if this like if that's how they're gonna treat it. They're gonna be like, we're gonna be serious when we wanna be serious. We're gonna be fun. When we're gonna be fun, and you have to accept it for what it is because it's our show. Whatever, deal with it. <laughs> Ryan Murphy, I'm a child. Whatever, hire me. Typo. Hire me, typo just said in the chat room that South Park did already do that episode. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. And and that's the thing. Like even in the chat room, Fanny had the comment. I think people should let the storyline play out before they freak out about it. Yeah. That that's also a valid argument. At the same time, you know that they are making a big point in the in the promos that like this is you know this is what we're going to do and i think these people are reacting that i mean even in the in this petition they're even saying we're not telling you to change your show or to um you know if you actually read the petition they're not saying we want to change your show or outlaw it or you can't do this episode they're just saying could you take a minute in the commercial break to just say really briefly hey this is a tv show this is fiction this is, you know, we are we are just telling a story, which to a certain extent, I kind of respect that in a way that they're not raising a big fuss and being like, we need to pass a law that says this is uncool. They're just saying, hey, could you take a second and say this isn't how things actually go? Because if, at the, end if of the, the day, word uncool ever ends up on an actual law bill, I think we have a lot of problem. <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, like if they were to do an episode about suicide, like how many times have you seen a TV show where they do an episode about suicide and then the second they hit that last break, they're like, if you or someone you know is, you know, mm-hmm. it has a problem with is contemplating suicide, yeah. call this number. Like that's a pretty customary thing to do. So I don't know. I'm kind of like, I guess if it was, there's a plenty of shows where I would be totally on the side of, hey, it's a TV show. It's you know, entertainment. Chillax, yeah. uh, which I've never said before. Aww. But still, uh, <laughs> But at this, but for some reason, like on Glee, I just feel if you're going to preach to us about homophobia, yeah. you've gotta you've gotta walk the walk. You can't yeah. just you know throw it up. When you they're walk. they're they're just talking the talk. They're not walking it. Like no. I, <laughs> I, I mean, agree I, with you. I, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just telling you that Glee isn't that committed to to helping people. I guess. <laughs> I you know what I don't know that I completely agree with that because I just think that there are certain subjects that they don't maybe want to get too preachy about but yeah I mean it does feel like there are definitely some missed opportunities with some other things that they sort of you know grazed over and and you know ended up having more light-hearted comedic approach to as opposed to a, a hard-hitting serious consequences mm-hmm. but anyhow I think I think in the case like this though I can't see how they could ever do anything that would be outside of the actual rules of adoption. Yeah, I mean, well, or the we'll laws see. surrounding adoption. So. We will see. Yeah, and you're right, Ed. I mean, the show has definitely proven yeah. again and again that it has no problem doing whatever the heck it wants. It has no like, it, it, it's perfectly happy to you know make a statement in episode A and then in episode B like pretend that it it 
is not only pretend it but directly contradict it yeah Yeah. exactly i mean and to me that bothers me to me i'm like you got to pick one because otherwise your messages will start falling flat that's because josh you are a legitimate writer (laughs) well i think you need new business cards to say josh legitimate writer (laughs) (laughs) i think that would be awesome ed nothing else (laughs) (laughs) thank you ed that's a nice compliment can i get can i get ones that are like Ed, sarcastic, sarcastic, insightful commentator. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, man, considering the two phone calls I've had this week, I'm pretty close to actually being a legitimate writer. Uh, let's take Fingers a listen crossed, to everybody. a voicemail. Hi, Josh, Jen, Ed. Um, this is listener Stephanie. I've called before, and I love you guys. But um, a few things I want to touch. Um... You guys never reviewed or, well, played Samuel Larson's band, Bridges I Burn. You should look up Bridges I Burn, um, the song Jenna. It's really good. Like, I love it so much. And you guys should listen to it and review it. Actually, why don't we do that right now? Because we have a podcast. And I saw him on the middle the other night. He was cute. Samuel? No, it's Samuel. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm thinking of Sam. I'm thinking of the character <laughs> Sam. Forget it. Here's uh, Bridges I Burn uh, and their song Jenna. I'm sorry. This is me. You never yes or no. Always maybe. If we are I swear we can fly if we From the very start You know we got one more fear One more light One more foe and one more fight If you look just a little bit harder now I promise you that change somehow We can change our day, change our lives Take these blinders off our eyes And if you wanna hold my hand This time around I swear that you can Jenna by Bridges I Burn with Samuel Larson on vocals. Go. Uh, who's on vocals? Samuel. Samuel from the Glee like, from Death, from Project. Project. Oh, I was just saying. Um, definitely, I re- like. Okay, definitely <laughs> like the overall vibe of the of the song. It was it was exciting, and I thought some of the some of the like especially some of, like the tones with the piano were, was really strong at the beginning. And um, the affected voice is kind of cool right now. It's kind of like hip to have like an affected vocal. And otherwise, and I I didn't ever like I was listening to the song. I lost like after once the chorus kicked in, which I don't even know when it exactly kicked in. I it lost me because there was no there was no real hook. So 
I, that's how I felt about it too. When it first started, I was like, "Wow, Samuel, there you go." And then once the hook kicked in, I was like, "Oh, oh." Then, right. then I zoned out. I zoned yeah. out. But the beginning was the beginning was fierce. <laughs> Jennifer, I I totally agree. I kind of felt like after a few minutes, I was like, "Oh wait, I feel like I'm listening to a, a you know an '80s movie soundtrack." Like it, it had that you know kind of like you know like cool intro, and then it just kind of like you know continued. Interesting. We yeah, we listened to Cameron's record, or we listened to the single uh, on the show uh, weeks ago, and I actually have come to kind of like Cameron's record. There's one song on it that's like really goofy, but I think it's supposed to be. Um, but uh, but Cameron's little EP, there's like five songs on it. It's it's pretty catchy, and he's got crazy production value on that thing. Like it sounds, I know it's dynamite. Crazy I remember I, that's what I remember noting the most from that. Yeah, it's like love or hate the songs. I just sit there and I go like, wow, you got money. Like it makes Darren Chris's human EP sound well recorded in his garage, which I think it might have been. But it, it, yeah, <laughs> human EP sounded pretty cheaply produced, which is whatever. Wow. Yeah, but uh, it, it, to, it's a trip. And then I had tweeted that. that listening to Cameron's uh, EP, I blew up my headphones. Which <laughs> was like, oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> like, of all, the, of all the crazy things I listened to on my headphones, the thing that blew it out was Cameron Mitchell's EP. Uh, well, we speaking of something that Jennifer mentioned a minute ago. Hi, okay. Josh, Shannon, Ed. Love your podcast, by the way. I was watching The Middle the other night. It was on um, September 26th. And Cord Overstreet was on. At first I didn't recognize him because he had really short hair and he looked a lot like Macaulay Culkin. And that's who I thought it was. Oh, just a grown-up Macaulay Culkin. Um, but then at the end the credit said Cord Overstreet. He played a fourth grade teacher. I just thought you should know. Love the podcast. <laughs> Jennifer, you're a big fan of The Middle. Did you catch Cord Overstreet on The Middle? I did. But I we... We don't DVR it, so I watched it online, and it was really cute. I mean, I'm so sorry. Like when the last voicemail said um, Samuel, I just immediately thought of Sam, so uh, I got all confused. But yeah, he was really cute. He was playing a um, a fourth grade teacher that had to, uh, you know, had a unique teaching style that sort of challenged the parents in a in a, a different way. So it was all pretty fun, and um, <laughs> it's a great show. Is oh. There is one episode that I think you should watch. It's when they um, they go camp, they take the family camping, and it's really cute. I think you'll appreciate it. Patricia Heaton's great, and Neil Flynn. I know. From, uh, and from the kids are amazing. The kids are amazing. I mean, like I know the the two older kids are like twenty and twenty one, respectively. <laughs> oh my gosh! If you haven't seen the middle, the middle, it's pretty funny. It's very um, cute. I found that it got better. Uh, I only saw. I've only seen a couple, but I thought I thought it got better over time. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, but Cordover Street is a fourth grade teacher. Yeah, really? It was cute. Did you buy it? He had, you know, he looked, he looked like a young teacher who, he, if you were a grade school teacher, that's exactly how you'd dress. You'd have <laughs> the shirt and the tie and the cardigan and you, you know, you'd have these unique approaches to connect with the children and bring them. <laughs> it's a compliment. <laughs> Thank you. I will take it as exactly a compliment. Uh, let's see. And he was adorable. He did, but it's so funny when she said Macaulay Culkin. I was like, oh my god, she's right. <laughs> so true. Um, oh, I can't find it now. But I hope he does more TV. It was so it was so interesting to have him be like a real character. 
Hmm. Like you got more of a sense of that person or that character than you did the entire time he was ugly. Which is pretty sad. Uh, well, here's something we didn't hit on the last episode. Hi, Dustin and Ed. This is Caitlin. Um, in your last podcast, I can't remember if you guys talked about the Curtin Blaine scene from the Asian F episode. And if you did, then you can completely disregard this voicemail. But if you didn't, my friend and I were talking about it, and I thought it was a really nice scene. Because Kurt finally matured and realized that even though he wasn't right for the part, Blaine was, and that he should just be happy for him because he loves him instead of getting all dramatic about it. And Kurt and Blaine were finally happy and together and in the background, which as adorable as Darren Chris is, and as much as I love Kurt and Blaine as a couple, seriously need to happen this season after all the drama last season. And I'm just going to enjoy it while it lasts because happy couples don't stay happy for very long, ugly. <laughs> and I'm sure there will be more Kurt and Blaine drama coming up. But anyway, love the podcast and can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. Bye. That was a cute episode, and it was like, what you know... Uh... I think, Ed, you had called it that Kurt was going to uh, turn, that he was going to grow up, like, right away. And I thought, oh, no, he'll drag it out for a little while. But I think you were like, no, it's going to happen tomorrow, <laughs> next episode. Just like just like the Quinn turning yeah, un- going back. rebellious on yeah. rebellious in, like, a moment. Uh, they don't, they don't waste any time, huh? <laughs> Uh, we got a couple. E- so first of all, guys, okay, if well, you send emails of criti- where you criticize us, I'm not going to reply. <laughs> life is really short in my life. And every and I'll lose like 10 minutes trying to respond to you. Like criticism is fine, but uh, I'll lose like 10 minutes trying to respond to you in such a way that doesn't sound dickish. And I think there's no way to respond to criticism in an email and not sound like an asshole. So if you say criticism. Thank you. I think <laughs> might be an approach. <laughs> well, but thank you even is just like, it, it's like you didn't even read it. I mean, I, thank I don't you. Know. I sincerely will take your comments on board and I hope to improve in the future. But I'm not going to do that. Well, it doesn't matter if you say it. It doesn't matter if you do it. Okay. okay I had suggested a, a similar. Um, yeah, you had said you like know, a form letter. Like just like a little canned response. Just, you know. <laughs> because, I mean, okay, of course we want to hear from everybody. Nitpicky, overly critical criticism is not very productive. We're going to, you know, we're still going to be us. And, you know, if we miss something, that's great. Let us know. And. That helps. It really does. But it's and, it, and it's a tonal thing. I'll admit it. But still, it depends uh, on what time of the day Josh is reading it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if he's had his ice cream or not. Whoa! Uh, free ice cream in my office every day. I know. Lunch. It's crazy. It's um, insane. It's 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 soft It's delicious. Uh, but yeah, the the reason I mentioned that is because we've been getting these emails saying that we've had Darren hate. That we have some at some point turned on Darren. I don't remember when this happened. <laughs> I very publicly came yeah. around to Darren, <laughs> and now I'm being now yeah, we're getting emails think... saying that where we've turned off of Darren. I don't remember that happening. No, I don't remember any Darren hate at all. I just remember, well, and this was kind of a universal cry. Was that it was just like okay, enough with the Blaine and the Kurt. Enough, enough, enough. There's other relationships to address. So. Hmm. There you go. Um, yeah, that might have been it because we were just kind of like, cool, time to move on. Yeah. Okay, but to go back to that moment, it was so, so nice to see Kurt be the the strong, supportive one in the relationship. Yeah. And um, really, really sweet. And, um, oh, one of the, somebody on Facebook said that um, 
They totally should have mentioned um, possibly Kurt in the running from Mar- Maria, and that would have been funny. Because I, I, th- <laughs> I think vocally, he could do it. <laughs> That's true. That's a... Uh, uh, it, it, it would be a pretty hilarious it would, be, it would be a pretty hilarious plot line to see that go down mm-hmm. I mean and it could be totally valid like in mm-hmm. the right role I don't know if Marie is the right role but there are certain roles that could go either way that would be really entertaining yeah <laughs> um and just to finish off the last topic, uh, Jen Shu said in the chat room, it only takes one comment that might be slightly negative and you are, quote, a hater. Um, and uh, I have a pretty thick skin. So trust me, you have to be pretty angry in an email for me to, uh, to, to, to consider you a hater. <laughs> so he's not talking about the 95% of emails we get. <laughs> yes, exactly. Just that 5%. <laughs> just that 5% where I'm like, you're done. But I think Jen's actually talking about us. You know, there are there is a certain, uh, there are people in the world that like, they just blindly love certain characters so much mm-hmm. that anything you say that's not 100% positive they get they, they get really defensive. Uh, it's like this thing with um uh gosh uh with with the girl from um yeah modern family wait what the girl from modern family ha- was making jokes about Leah Michelle on fashion police oh right um, now right, i can't right. remember her name what is her name uh and her name is she's Haley. so good yeah her character's name is Haley. she's the girl i saw yeah, she's she's hilarious, and she was making uh, she was making fun of Leah Michelle the way she poses, and she was doing it in like she's a robot. She always poses well. There's never a bad angle, and then she was doing impressions of her. People started sending her hate mail. Don't yeah. insult Leah Michelle, and she's like, guys, I, yeah, I was making I mean, jokes on a show where you make jokes. Like, what is exactly. the issue here? And you could tell in her awkward attempt of trying to be her. That she was, you know, it was like, hey, she was more envious than anything. And like, <laughs> get over it. it. It's pretty wild. And it's like the last person in the world who needs defending is Leah Michelle. Leah Michelle is fine, people. <laughs> like, trust me. Yeah. She is doing okay. Yeah, she kills on the red carpet. Oh, yeah. She always looks That's why. That's why it was amazing. so funny that it was like, you're right. Leah Michelle never takes a bad picture. Uh, lots of people do want to have a conversation about Fix You. We got lots of emails about people interpreting Fix You a different way. Um, There's obviously not enough time to read uh, all of them, but I just thought I wanted to let uh, this opinion voice. This is from listener Jonathan, who said... uh, um, I believe that you actually listen to the literal literal lyrics. Yes, it's offensive. Blah, blah, blah. I will fix you. But if you read into it, the subtext of, quote, I'm sorry, I put you in this situation. Is there anything I can do to get you out of this situation? Then the song becomes more of an I'm sorry for doing this to you. Again, the lyrics are all wrong, but if you take the melodic harmony of the music and take the visual of the scared little Emma, then the song makes a bit more sense. I think a lot of people kind of emailed in with that Uh, opinion of fix you that Mm -hmm. like the lyrics don't quite work but when taken as a whole the scene um the scene was effective you know the scene was the intent and i actually i i agree with that sentiment honestly i just feel like then they should have just picked different song you know (laughs) like they could have had a uh, they could have picked the right song and had a great scene but instead they picked the wrong song and we got a it's an REM South Central Forgiving Rain. scene. That's a great song. See? Yep. Exactly. Yep. Done. Uh, anybody want to weigh in on Fix You? Or should <laughs> we put this to bed before we get more email? <laughs> I, and I think, honestly, the, the, the biggest problem I had with it is I just thought that 
his falsetto was really weak. Mm. I just, I, there was something almost cartoonish about it. Like, I didn't have a problem with, you know, the, the, the scenes as they were happening. I didn't even have a problem. I know that people didn't like when he was singing with the students. I'm like, I didn't have a problem with that. It was just the falsetto was distracting for me. It, it, and yeah, it's not his skill set. Like it's not where he's best, you yeah. know. But I know he wants to be. His album came on on my iPod the other day, and I turned it off. Felt bad. Ouch. <laughs> um, typo said I like ideas. Or I, sorry, typo says I like Ed's idea for fix you from last week. What was it, Ed? What was your idea for fix you last week? My my idea was to have several characters singing to several mm-hmm. other characters. That's right. Yeah, that would have been, and that would have even helped kind of soften the words and, yeah. and, and sort of, you know, bring that general well, message like across. The, the vocal variety alone would have, would A, have gotten not, not hearing Will so much, and B, <laughs> would have, like, would have, would have turned it into, like, I don't know. It was kind of boring. Yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 I don't, I don't want to be like, it was boring, but it kind of was. So. <laughs> uh, well, we had a That's couple okay. of... We respect your opinion. Oh, and, and I agree with you. Uh, and Josh agrees with it. <laughs> couple, couple other <laughs> voicemails before we go. Uh, let's do one from a guy. Hi, Josh and Ed. This is listener Michael from Idaho. Um, I was rewatching season one this summer, and I thought of something that I'd like to see addressed on on the show before Finley's McKinley. Um I really want Will to come clean to Finn about the supposed marijuana he found in Finn's locker in the pilot. Um, I think that might give us an interesting episode or a storyline, you, you know, since this person that Finn basically views as a father figure <laughs> essentially blackmailed him into joining Glee Club. Um, anyway, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. That's something that might be worth mentioning, or do you think they need to address that at all? I uh, love the show, and keep doing what you're doing. Thanks. Bye. That is a good pull, isn't it? That is a really good pull, and I think, especially if, you know, the show wants to, again, depending on how preachy they want again, how, you, you know, how much they want to give this good example... I mean, people getting called on their crap is really, that's a big thing. And that would, that would be a, a huge turning point for Will. I mean, I'm sorry, for Finn, I think. Yeah. And that's been a really consistent episode between these first three episodes of season three is crap calling. Like yeah. People getting called out. for Which is refreshing. Yeah. Actually, thank you. <laughs> I, I, I would be inclined to be behind this, but A, the Glee verse isn't consistent. No. And B, I'm pretty sure they're saving the pot storyline for Samuel with dreads. <laughs> oh, you think they don't come back on that? That would be hilarious. So there are spoilers on the internet. We're not a spoiler-heavy show. But if you want a spoiler, there are spoilers on the internet about Damien. Oh, I don't want to know. Damien. I want to like, be surprised. Hold on. Is the, hold on. You mean the spoiler that I don't actually, I didn't read this, but I'm saying the spoiler that he's going to play a foreign exchange student. No, no, that well, that's we, weeks we've... ago. There are, there are new spoilers about Damien and his arrival and when it will come. I can uh, take off my headphones and walk in the other room. If you want to talk about no, it. No, we are, a, we're a spoiler free show. You can Google it. Google is your pal. It's your friend. It's always there for you in the darkest night. 
Um, who's, but who's the devil that, that, I, that I cannot live without? Well, and then I will also tell you, <laughs> you only have to look as far as the title of the next episode. Okay, and I'm not even looking at that, and don't don't anybody read it. Uh, so yeah, there there are. Oh, there but that's are, like three weeks away. Yeah, it's that is three weeks away. So there's a lot of time to Google. Our teams aren't in the playoffs, so we don't really care about baseball. We have yeah. Oh yes, a lot of people emailed about that. The reason that the breaking glee is because Fox has the playoffs and this, the World Series. And I'm actually like, okay, fine. At least it's not the story or the the, the production being like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna like build up this, you know, um, you know, interest and get everybody all excited and then and then make them wait. So at least it's maybe they legitimately know. have the episodes ready, but they're like, yeah. Well, okay. well, exactly. We'll time. And then, you know, Fox, the network that is going to get more money from, you know, all of their advertisers for the World Series playoffs or, you know, they get to say who goes and who doesn't. <laughs> Although, who's even in the playoffs? So I know Detroit, maybe the Rays. I, don't I know, know X Factor got bumped the other night for I the saw playoffs. That. Yeah. Well, uh, that's about all I've got for the show this week. Jennifer, do you have anything? Um, I don't think there was anything else that was pressing. Um, I try to read what people post on Facebook and remember some of that, but um, nothing, nothing that jumps out at me. Ed, anything else you want to talk about before we go to iTunes reviews? Uh, not particularly. I mean, nothing. <laughs> the episode this week was weak. I don't even remember it. Asian F? I uh, no, I said the episode this ago. week. That's why it's funny. Oh, I oh, got oh. you. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> we're yeah, we're all so focused really we didn't even know it was a joke. <laughs> that was a, that's actually a really funny joke now that I know it was a joke. Uh, Ed, would you like to thank some iTunes reviewers? You know, I always like to. Good deal. Okay, uh, Emily... Aoki. Is that, is that like some kind of fish? Aoki. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Broadway 1014. KDC. Um, personal favorite name. Ed is right. Explanation point. I, I don't know who you are, but I agree with that. Uh, Killian Lutz is mine. Belladonna Falange. Dragon Lady 53. Sinatra Fan 1978. Thank you so much for reviewing us. Uh, thank you very much. And you can uh, awesome. also check out our website at gleefulpodcast.com, which is currently down. But by the time you hear this, it will be back up because In that's what? how you got it. Because the evil people at where? Because ipage.com is really lame. and uh, They're being mean to us. I've called them three times and every time they've told me they will unsuspend the account and they have yet to do it. So do not use ipage.com. We will not be using ipage.com as soon as I have enough time which I've not had to get us off of iPage.com. Um, but yes, yeah, so if you're hearing this, the website's back up. So uh, <laughs> you can find us at gleefulpodcast.com. You can also check out uh, the, find us on Twitter at gleefulpodcast. I'm Josh Bernal. She's Jenny B. Creative. He's Edward Giordano. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Gleeful Podcast and talk to the fans there. There's always a good conversation going on there. Not always. There was for a while. There hasn't been the last couple well, of weeks. Well, there's not. Good conversation going on well. And follow us on Twitter if you want to hear about if you want to join us for a live show. Um, that's the easiest way to find us for to listen to us live. True story. For the Gleeful Podcast with Josh Jennett, I'm Josh. I'm Jen. I'm Ed. Peace out. Peace out. Good night.
fading up the music. I was like, I was unprepared. What, what were we listening well, to? I was pre- usually Ed has a longer sign off, and so <laughs> do I. Do I? Oh yes, Mitchell, but that's the I? thing. the The length of your <laughs> was that a Modern Family reference? You, because <laughs> um, <laughs> we know I'm totally Mitchell. Wow. Um, the. You usually have a longer sign-off, and the time it takes you to do the sign-off is the time I switch over to fade the music up. But your sign-off was so quick, I was like, wait, what am I supposed to be doing You were playing with your hair. I have a lot of hair. Josh's hair is really long, and it's 85 degrees still at 9 o'clock at night. Crazy. He's he's playing with his hair. It's It's longer than my hair right now. It's been nice in the Indiana (sighs) weather-wise, to be honest. It's October. It's not supposed to be above 73 here. <laughs> Specifically 73. And it was 97 today. It was. It was so, and I had to ride my bike home. It's like riding in a sauna. Okay, everybody. If <laughs> Okay, we've already said goodnight, so you can all turn off the show and no one's going to blame you. So I ride my bike to work now, right? And I ride my bike through three cities. I start in, in Studio City, and I ride through, I technically four, because I technically have to ride from Studio City to North Hollywood, then you get to Burbank block. to Glendale. <laughs> when I get to Glendale, I ride through the equestrian district of Glendale. This is just a suburb where everyone owns horses, and it lasts about Hello, four blocks. Horses. And so each morning, I smell horses for about four blocks. Right at the end of the horse block, no joke, cross the street, there is a bakery, a giant bread bakery. So each morning as I'm riding my bike, I leave the valley, which smells like desperation. And then I get to the equestrian district, which smells like horses for about four blocks. And then I have like two blocks of freshly baked bread every morning. It's the craziest bike ride ever. The ride home, however, just smells like exhaust and heat and wanting to be home. So, wow. no good stories about so that. So, where's the fresh bread? Uh, oh, you want me to take you there? No, I wanted to bring it home. Oh, I, d- I don't know if they actually sell it. I just smell it every morning. <laughs> How could they I not sell it? If they'd be making it, they'd be selling it, yeah. yo. <laughs> <They'd> be, <laughs> you know they'd what, Ed? If they'd be making it, they'd be selling it, yo. Ed, that's your sign off. Good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> will that's it be? Awesome. Yes, it will. Maybe just by holding still. It'll be there Come on something, come on in Don't be shy, meet a guy Pull up a chair The air is humming And something great is coming Who knows It's only just out of reach Down the block on a beach Maybe tonight (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.